How is everybody? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, today's going to be one of those days. I'm just so excited that you guys are here. Some of you, you're like, Sean, my team lost. Listen, I don't care. We're going to celebrate today, and I want to test the signal a little bit. So let me first of all say this. If you came to church today, or you're a first-time guest, and you're like, man, I love the dirge. Like, I want to go somewhere and get more depressed. Listen, you came to the wrong church, okay? Uh, you came to a church today. We're going to do some celebrating today. So when I was young, we used to have to turn on the television to make sure we had a signal. So we're going to test our celebration signal real quick, and I'm going to see how loud you guys can celebrate, okay? So real quickly, here's how it works. I'm going to make a statement, and if you're excited about the statement I make, I want you to celebrate. I mean really celebrate. I'm talking like turn up, celebrate, okay? So you ready? I'm going to make a couple of these. You ready? First one, here it is, here it is, here it is. There are no more taxes. (laughs) The Falcons are going to win today. (laughs) This is the one that's going to make this place erupt. You ready? Today there's free (laughs) Chick-fil-A. Oh, you guys are good, man. So here's the thing I know. We got a good signal going today, so I hope you're ready. We're going to do some celebrating. First of all, let me say this. If you came today saying, hey, man, where's the Bad Blood series? Like, I thought we were going to talk about forgiveness. Well, listen, I challenge you. Please go back. We did three weeks. We just finished an amazing series. The feedback has been phenomenal. And let me say this, too. We want to help you. If you're dealing with issues of forgiveness, man, let our staff email us. We want to talk you through how to, how to really be healed in that. But today, we're going to turn a page a little bit. In fact, today's kind of fun because I don't get to do this a whole lot. A lot of times I preach messages out of series, and today is a standalone message, right? So I'm not going to be preaching out of a series. Today's kind of like a onceler because next week we're going to start a brand new series, and I'll talk about that as we end today. So we're taking a break, and uh, what I want to do today is this. I want to, I want to do some celebrating. Anybody ready to celebrate? <laughs> the Falcons, okay? Okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, there's hope, okay? Let me say, rise up, okay? Here's the thought. Today, I want us to celebrate all that God's doing. And I want us to celebrate all that God has done. Today represents a new budget and ministry year in our church. And, and last year has just been a phenomenal year. And so what I want to do today is I want to take some moments and I want to celebrate what God has done. But I also want to celebrate our vision moving forward and where our church is going. And so let me say this. If you're a guest here today, you're a first-time person, uh, you're going to hear some things today about our church. You're going to be like, oh, wow. And then you're also going to hear some things like, oh, wow, okay? And, uh, and, but here's the thing you're going to learn about us. We just, we're real. Like, this is who we are. Like, this isn't makeup, okay? And I think that God's going to speak to us through that today. So I want to say this. Today, as you leave, because we're celebrating, each one of you are going to get to pick up one of these. This is our annual report for our church. And uh, we love celebrating this. Uh, Number one, we want to be transparent about where we've been and what God is doing. But we also wanted to use that as a signal of where God wants to take us. And so today, as you leave at all of our doors, these are going to be on tables. Please pick one up. And everybody gets one. Church member, attender. We want everyone to have one, okay? Talks about our new budget that we start today, which you can read in the back, and, and our vision team and how they've been involved in that process with us. And I'm just excited. So that's that report. So how many of you guys know what this is? Yeah, buddy. How many of y'all, some of you teenagers go, what's that? Okay, this is a yearbook. And this yearbook is, is a pretty awesome, this is my yearbook. By the way, we got any 88ers here? 88ers? Anybody graduate in 88? Okay, some of you go, I'm a hater. Okay, I don't want to say hater. I said 88ers, okay? 
I, listen, I'm not ashamed of when I graduated, okay? I mean, New Wave was coming in, U2 was hot, and it was awesome. But I want to tell you, when you look inside this yearbook, you find some crazy things. Like I was looking in here the other day, and I found my picture, and I just wanted to share it with you today. Because when I open my yearbook, I always go to my photo. I think that's the music to Miami Vice, isn't it? Yeah, because when I was growing up, Miami Vice was hot, right? So we went and bought these jackets. And I remember taking my senior photo, and I looked at this girl as I was coming down from the photo, and I said, hey, baby, I am Miami nice. She looked at me like, dude, you are smoking crack, okay? And then the, the next one here, yeah, a little football pick, senior photo. Woo-woo! Yeah, I love me some defense, right side, strong side. Okay, some of you know what I'm talking about. But this is our yearbook, right? So you get your yearbook, you get it at the end of the year, and they hand it to you, and what does everyone do? They want to sign your yearbook, right? And then you look for your photo, and then you want people to sign your yearbook, and then you do what I used to do. You go to the back, because they have this index in the back of the yearbook, and what do you do there? You want to find out how many times your name is in the yearbook. Anybody do that but me? (laughs) Yeah. Mom, I was in there eight times. I was in there 12 times. Well, here's what I want to do today. As I talk to you as a church, I want to help you see where your name is in our annual. I want you to see where your name is printed all over these pages. And I want to help you see that in a way because I believe God wants to do something amazing. So how many of you guys are ready to celebrate? All right. Let me give you the first statement, all right? This is a cool statement, and I want to explain it. We have experienced... The grace of God this year in our church. Anybody excited about that? You go, what does that mean? Like the grace of God in our church. Let me explain, okay? 15 years ago, we started in a catfish restaurant with 15 people. And God literally took that group of 15. And 15 years later, which in June, we celebrated our 15th anniversary. For the first time in the history of our church, we now have over 3,000 members at Southcrest. Okay? That is amazing. Let me tell you why that is so amazing. Do you realize that church plants across America, because that's what we were in 2000, church plants across America and across the world, 88% of them fail. 88%. And of the ones that succeed, very few, like less than 2%, ever grow past 200 people. We now have over 3,000 people involved and engaged in our church. And I'm just telling you, man, that's something to celebrate. Like God says, hey, that's a big honking deal. Let me tell you why that's also cool. Because it's not just about how many people are here, but it's about how they're engaged. Now, here's the cool thing. A year ago, we launched our second campus in the city of LaGrange, 30 miles south of us. We're now a multi-site church. We're now reaching not only in Coweta County, but in Troop County. Can you think of how many churches never get to go there and never get to say that? Listen to this statement. This is cool. Between all of our children, students, and adults on both of our campuses, we now have over 100 life groups. That's exciting. Okay? So here's why that's exciting. Because, see, if you have a child in Crest Kids or in Switch, we don't want them to just come and have like a children's church environment. We want them to have a relationship with an adult in their life. And so part of their time is to break out and have a life group experience within the Sunday morning experience. That's why when your child comes home and they mention Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, that's the person that's pouring into their life. 
And I just think as a church, that's something for us to celebrate because it's something that we have become and something that we are becoming. And then I want to make this statement to you today because for some of you, you're going to be like, what? Five years ago on this Sunday, we began a campaign called Life Vision. It was a vision to expand some of the needs, the growing needs of our church, and it was centered around five key initiatives. Today, on the fifth anniversary of Life Vision, we're here today that we are completing Life Vision as a church. After today, we're done. You go, what? Listen to what you've done. Over five years, you've given $1.5 million, and you say, well, what does that mean? Because some of you are so new. Some of you are so new. Listen, we would not have this worship center if it wasn't for Life Vision. We wouldn't have launched in the city of LaGrange if it wouldn't have been for Life Vision. We wouldn't have helped plant seven cafe churches in the northeast corner of England if it wasn't for Life Vision. We wouldn't have continued to increase and give more and more of our support to local ministry partnerships like Bridging the Gap and, and things like Backpack Buddies and the Coweta Pregnancy Center if it wouldn't have been for Life Vision. And here's the cool thing about it. That $1.5 million that you gave did all of that. I mean, guys, that's amazing. Listen, I know churches that, that raise 10, 15, 20 million dollars and they can't say that. But you did. And I bless God for it. God has shown his grace to us. So today we end and we complete our Life Vision campaign. And the next year, we're going to be coming to you about a new campaign, and it won't be five years. It may be two months or one year or six months, but here's the deal. God's given us a new vision, and it's time to embrace that new vision. Why? Because the grace of God has been a part of our church. Now, here's a cool thing. I want to share this. I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. Listen, on Wednesday, November the 18th, we are releasing our first worship project of Southcrest Church, all original music. All original songs. You know, one of the signs of a healthy church is when God's people start singing new songs to the Lord. When you hear, I heard the demos Thursday afternoon. I sat there and went, is this really happening? Like our creative arts team, some of the songs you hear on this stage every week that they've written. And I think, can you imagine a day when people will be singing these songs in churches all over the world? All over the world. And so on Wednesday night, November the 18th, you need to write this date down because this is a vision casting day. On that day, we're having a live video CD release party. We're gonna be recording those songs live on video and turning the songs and the video out to the world. And you get to be a part of that. Why? Because God's grace has been a part of our church and upon our church this year. I cannot wait till November 18th, okay? I'm like a kid waiting to open a gift. I cannot wait to see how God's gonna use that music. Let me tell you something else I want us to celebrate. This year, we have seen exponential life change this year. Exponential. Let me explain. Do you realize for every 10 people who attended any worship service in our church, one of them gave their life to Jesus and was baptized? Oh, that's much better than the Falcons. <laughs> that's awesome. Think about that. Every 10 people that walked in the door and attended a worship service, one of them gave their life to Christ and was baptized in our church. 
That's just, uh, that's just unfathomable. You know, I look at that, I think about our student ministry, that this year they've seen so much growth that they had to move out of our next-gen auditorium and they had to move into our worship center. And so you come in here on Wednesday night, it feels like you're here on a Sunday morning because they're packing this place out with their friends every single Wednesday night. We have seen life change exponentially in our church. This year, this is one of the stories I love to tell through a program called Good Sam in LaGrange and a program called Backpack Buddies here in Noonan, you have helped make sure that every kid in every school has had the opportunity to go home with food in their backpack. I remember in January walking that check-in to those two ministries and they looked at me and they said, we will now be able to provide food to every kid in every school. Guys, listen, you did that. God used us to see exponential life change. I think of Christmas in Coweta. We've got stories of people that thought they were coming to receive gifts that we bought as a church and we gave and we, we wrapped them and we thought, oh, it's gonna be so nice to provide Christmas for people. And we thought, man, this is good because it's the holidays and we get to do something positive and great for people. And then God took what we did and there have been people who now come to Southcrest. This is their church home. And even in the last few weeks, we're baptized in our church. That's because of you. We've seen exponential life change this year. And here's what this tells me. All of God's grace upon us, all of this exponential life change, here's the statement I want us to hang on today. We have been given an unmatched opportunity to impact our culture and change our world. Let me break that down for you. The word unmatched, you know what it means? It means like nothing else anywhere else. It is unique. It is specific. It is timely. God has given us, why? Because he's shown us how what we do and what we give and how we invest in our community can change so many people's lives. He's given us an unmatched opportunity, like nothing else, nowhere else, to impact a culture. What is that culture? It's right there, it's called South Atlanta. I remember when people said, oh, you don't wanna live on the South Side of Atlanta. I'm like, what? What you talking about, Willis? That's what I said. Here's a thought, okay? Do you realize how much growth our community, our culture now has? Homes being built everywhere. Road, I mean, I'm just telling you, the I-85 corridor is screaming for a church like Southcrest. To say, please, please. We've been given an unmatched opportunity to impact a culture. And then I love this last part, to change a generation. You ever thought about the seeds we're sowing now that we may not see till three and four generations from now? Your children's children, your grandchildren's children. 15 years ago, someone sat in a catfish restaurant that smelt like fish and invited their friends, and here we are today. We have been given an unmatched opportunity to impact our culture and to change our generation. But here's the thing, with that, with that opportunity comes challenges, right? Every great opportunity has challenges. If it doesn't have challenges, it's probably not a great opportunity, right? So what are some of the challenges we face? Well, I wanna share some of those with you today. Number one, these facts were handed to me, so our staff team put these together. 
Do you realize that in our church, one out of three families last year gave nothing? One out of three. Do you realize that in our church, another 32% of all the families that are listed in our church gave $500 or less? That means that two out of three people in our congregation either gave $500 or less or nothing. You say, wow, that's depressing. Well, I want you to understand something. Here's the cool thing. Our church, we have an opportunity to change that. I want to share with you today because my heart is very honest and transparent. Last year, for the first time in the history of our church, we had the largest budget shortfall ever. $350,000. And I want to note to you guys, we don't stand up here on stage and talk about that every week. You know why? Because God's called us as the staff in the church to lead the church forward, even if people don't give. But here's what we did do. We took every opportunity with every dollar that was given to maximize it for the kingdom purpose. And that's exactly what God did. 350,000, let me explain that to you, okay? That doesn't mean we overspent our budget by 350,000. That means we had a budget number and we missed it by 350,000. So let me me explain it easier to you. We do not spend what we do not have here at Southcrest. We're not that church. We don't go into the red. We've never operated in the red. And you know what? As long as I'm pastor, we never will. God has told us that this vision is so good and so awesome that we're to challenge God's people to be generous. But here's what that 350,000 represents today, and I hope you remember this. That 350,000 represents the fact that we left $350,000 worth of ministry opportunities on the table. Think of what God did. Over 200 people baptized last year. Think of how many more people that would be. 350,000 represents the ministry opportunities. That's people reached, lives changed, interns trained for ministry, ministries started, ministries growing. I shared this figure with our staff about a month ago in a meeting we were having. I said, hey guys, let me ask you a question. What would you do if we had an additional $350,000 this year? And one by one, they begin telling me opportunities we could not do this year because of what we did not have. One of our staff guys, he started crying because in his mind, he saw that as people that we missed the opportunity maybe to tell about Jesus. You say, well, ah, that's, Sean, that's, that's, that's depressing. Well, here's the good thing. We can change that. Here's why I know that. Because, you see, we have greater capacity here than we understand. Do you realize that in our region, the average household income is $69,000? Household income, two families. Household income, $69,000. We did a study, if you take that capacity and you take what our church runs, we have a growth giving capacity that could exceed well over 103%. The capacity's here. It's good to know that because I want you to hear this statement. Everything we need to do all that God wants us to do is already in this room. There's only one problem. It's in my bank account and your bank account. You go, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to talk about money. Oh, no. I want you to go to the Word with me real quick. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
2 Corinthians chapter 8. I want to share a really cool story with you. Maybe you've never seen this in the Bible before. It's a story where Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. And he's talking to them about this little church known as the Macedonian churches. The Macedonian church and the Macedonian churches were the Gentile churches. So they weren't like the Jewish believers. They were like the believers as the gospel spread. They were the ones kind of on the outskirts, right? They were kind of the underdog churches. But listen to what Paul says to them in 2 Corinthians 8 that can help us see this from a whole different perspective. He says, now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. He was taking up an offering, right? He said, I want you to see what they've done. He said, they're being tested by many troubles and they're very poor, but they're also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Now remember, they're out here in Macedonia. The Jerusalem church was first generation church, right? Like they were the ones nearest to everything that was happening. And he said they begged us because they wanted to be on the same page with what God was doing in the Jerusalem church. Verse 5, they did even more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to join us just as God wanted them to do. Here's, Here's the thing I want you to understand about their church, the Macedonians. Paul didn't talk about how much they gave. He talked about how they gave. And there's a difference. He said, they didn't give according to their circumstances because they were poor. They were impoverished. They didn't have a whole lot. But they gave rich generously. They gave generously. And he said, they gave as much as they were able to. That means according to their capacity. And then he said, and then they even gave more than that. And then he says this. He said, they gave so much that they even came back and said, can we give again? Like, I just want you to know, I've been in ministry now 27 years. I have never been in a church when a person left our church. They said, listen, I am highly offended by your church. Well, why? Because you didn't take up two offerings. I've never been in that church. But Paul said, listen, they kept asking, like, when are we going to give? Here's what had happened to them. These Macedonian Christians had experienced an inward change because they had experienced Jesus Christ and the grace of God. And the Bible says they gave themselves first to the Lord and then they gave themselves away to the church. They responded in faith, not according to their circumstances. Look at verse six. So we have urged Titus. Who was Titus? Titus was kind of like the campus pastor there in Corinth, right? He's kind of holding down the fort, making sure things move forward in the church. He says, so we have urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. In other words, We know that you guys really want this. And then he says, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and in your love for us, I want you also to excel in the grace of giving or in the gracious act of giving. Now, who was the Corinth church? If you remember in Corinth, Paul many times had to go to them and give them a lot of instructions, right? Like if, if, if you have the type of child in your house that when you go away, you got to have two pages of instructions, Okay, you might as well give them a church a shirt that says it's complicated. Okay, and and some of you parent that way. But Paul looked at the Corinth church, and here's what he said: You guys 
have all this giftedness. You have all this capacity. But here's what they were doing. They were exchanging their giftedness for their givingness. You see, there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I don't give, but man, I serve. So doesn't God see it the same way? Well, that that brings up a great point, you know, because then you have to ask the question, what's the difference between stewardship and giving? Stewardship is about how I invest my time, talent, and treasure. Giving is about how I obey the Lord and respond to him out of the grace of God. See, it's kind of like this. Giving is about, first of all, the tithe, because God tells us in his word the first tenth is his. Like, we can't argue with that. People try to argue with it. He's like, you can't argue with it. God told us that's what it is. He said, I want you to set aside the first tenth. I want you to give it to me first because this is what belongs to me. And then he says, I want you to take the other 90 and I want you to be a steward with it. Which I think is crazy. If I was God, I'd do like a 70-30 type split. You know, I just thought I'd say that. But, but God, he's like, hey, listen, I want you to take the 90% that I leave in your hands and I want you to be the best at your time, your talent, and your treasure with it. And I just think that just shows even the generosity of God. Because tithing is about what belongs to God and stewardship is about how we manage the rest. So Paul uses this word. He says, I want you to excel. Every time I hear that, I think of a spreadsheet, right? And a formula. Like, I don't do Excel, okay? Some of you are like, I, I can't even do Word, okay? He says Excel. He says, I want you to Excel. What does he mean? I want you to win in the grace of giving. I want you to win. Now, how many of you have a child in competitive sports? Raise your hand, all right? Some of you go, I don't know if I should raise my... Okay, it's okay. Raise your hand, okay? It doesn't mean that your son's a D1 or your daughter's a diva, okay? But what it does mean is this. If you're in competitive sports, if you were to sign up for a team and said, hey, I want to let you know on our team, every year this year, or every tournament this year, we're going to sign up in the loser's bracket. How many of you want your kid on that team? No. How many of you said, hey, we're not even going to go for the first place trophy. Our goal is to win the fifth place trophy. How many of you want your kid on that team? (laughs) You don't. You don't. That's what Paul was saying. He said, when it comes to giving, I don't want you to be honorable mention. I don't want you to be outdone. I don't want you to be JV. I don't even want you to be passed over, and I certainly don't want you to sign up for the loser's bracket. I'm going to make this, and I just thought it'd be funny to say this. I don't want you to be an upwards giver. Everybody gets a trophy at the end. (laughs) That's really what Paul was saying, okay? He said, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. I want you to excel. I want you to win in the gracious act of giving. He wanted more for them than he wanted from them. So in verse 8, he says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the rich, generous grace of our Lord Jesus. Though he was rich, yet he made himself poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. He said, Jesus gave sacrificially. Watch Jesus. And then in verse 10, listen to what he says. Here's my advice to you. I love how Paul just kind of gets it down to the point. Like, here's the statement he really wants to make. He says, it would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. In other words, you started so well. You had great intentions. He said, let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. In other words, don't give according to your circumstances. Give according to your capacity. 
And then verse 12, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. So here's what I know about people. People have great intentions when they talk about how much they want to give to the Lord. But many times what they do is they let those intentions die right there. Like, I really, like, I have a heart for this. Like, I want to see this vision in this church and, and our community impacted and changed. But then they stop there. They just start with the great intention. And what Paul was saying is this. I know you want this. You know what I love about you, Southcrest? I know you want this. You would have never lasted 15 years if you didn't believe in this vision. I know you want this. And Paul, he looked at him and he said these words. He said, if this is what you want, and I like how he says it, he said, let's finish it. In other words, he said, I know you have the intention. Now let's complete the action. So I want to give you, because some of you, you only give when you feel guilty. Like, I feel guilty. Like, there's a special offering. Like, I should, you know, throw my, my neighbor's kidney in the, the, the offering basket. Okay, that's not what we're about here. We're not about guilt givers. We're about grace givers. Because grace was always motivated by love, and it calls us way past the law. Amen? And so as one of our G's, we talk about grace. We got to move into grace giving. And here's what Paul says. He said, here is the giving equation. Willingness plus capacity, plus action equals a win. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on what you have and the capacity that God's given you and give according to that capacity, but do it willingly. You see, some of you in this room, you have the willingness, but you're trying to give according to your circumstances. And Paul said, don't do that. Give according to your capacity. To whom much is given, much is? To whom much is given, much is? You don't want to say it, do you? Yeah, I understand. The truth is this. Paul said, listen, you have been given so much. Willingness plus capacity plus action equals a win. So here's what I want to do today. I want to connect these dots for you. And I want you to understand, this video you're about to watch represents hundreds of you in this church who have made the decision to give consistently with a willing heart and according to your great capacity. Watch this video. Brian and Stacey, hey, I want to thank y'all um, for coming tonight. And uh, it's like, you know, why did you call us out on a Tuesday night to come into the worship center? And one of the things that I wanted to do tonight is just uh, talk a little bit about your journey and um, how God brought you to Southcrest. Um, I think I, I read somewhere the other day, you guys have been at Southcrest since 2004. That's a long time. Tell us a little bit about how God brought you here. I guess when we first moved to Noonan, our next door neighbor and a couple friends, uh, all three invited us to Southcrest. Um, we're like, you got to come check this out. It's just a great atmosphere there. The people there are so loving. Um, so we went and checked it out and been going since. I know that you guys have been involved in, in giving consistently to the ministry of Southcrest Church. So as a young family uh, with young daughters, what is it like to make that decision to be givers in a church, even when maybe life is crazy and there's a thousand other things that you could give your time and energy to? How did you come to that decision to say, we're going to become givers? I guess for us, when we first got married, we 
already tithe growing up. Um, so it's something we started out doing before we had kids. Um, it's always been something we felt like we've been blessed with what God provides for us. Um, and that 10% is not really that, that much when you look at it out of the whole big picture and that, you know, you're investing in kingdom work, you're investing in your family's future, um, just the other lives in the church as well. But I have to ask you this question, right? Because we're all families and we all live in America. Is it ever get hard when you sit down and think, wow, I'm going to write that check or we're going to go online and we're going to give. And sometimes we don't know how God's even going to provide. But do you ever that little hiccup in your heart and say, we're going to do this anyway? And what is that like for you? I, I have to say that hiccup has been me. It hasn't been Ryan. Ryan's been the one that's that every week has said, let's do it. Even when I've said, oh, well, let's pay this and this and this first. And then, no, he writes that check out first. And it's been real tempting, especially... Uh, when I first started staying home and I wasn't working and, you know, there's there's bills to be paid. And you think, oh, if I just had that amount of money for my time, that, that thought pops into your head. But it's it's not truth because the Lord has provided everything that we need. And um, we've been blessed because of it. As pastor, I want to personally thank you because you, like hundreds of others, make the decision to give financially to our church. And, and sometimes when you do that... Um, you don't realize how big of a difference it can make in not only your own life and in your own children's life. Sometimes we have a hard time explaining to people how, even when they think the little they give doesn't go a long way, how what we give in faithfulness, God takes that and He uses it to change other people's lives. And so uh, tonight, part of what you didn't know is that I wanted to invite some people here uh, to join me in this video. And uh, as these people make their way in, these are people whose lives have been touched by the ministry of Southcrest Church. And whether you realize it or not, every time that you have given, every time that you have prayed, Lord, what should we give? And the Lord told you how much and he told you when you were giving so that somebody else's life could be changed. And so I want to thank you as pastor, but sometimes I feel like that may be too small. So what I want to do is I want Norm and Kim, they're going to come and they want to tell you first the impact that your giving has made in their life. Hi. <laughs> hey, I'm Norm Goss. This is my wife, Kim. Now that Norm and I are married, we have um, eight combined children. And so what you guys may not realize is that through your generosity, South Press has been able to provide a place for all eight of our children to come and worship and hang out with their friends and learn about the Word of God. And so, I mean, Norm and I just want to say thank, thank you, you for providing this for our family. This is so <laughs> Hi, my name is Morgan, and this is my friend Bella, and we just want to thank you for giving to our wonderful church. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to bring Bella to church, and um, she had told me one Wednesday night that she wanted to be baptized, and she prayed and received the Lord, and we went to go talk to some people, and the next week, she was able to be baptized, and I was able to see that, and that wouldn't have happened without you giving. And we just wanted to say thank you. That's awesome. Congratulations. 
My name is Jared, and uh, I want to thank you for your faithful giving to Southcrest Church. About a year ago, prior to joining Southcrest, my life was a mess. Drugs, alcohol, um, trying to find spiritual peace in Buddhism. And uh, my girlfriend and I knew something had to change. Uh, so we got on the internet, found Southcrest Church. And uh, after that first Sunday, we immediately joined a life group. Uh, I want to let you guys know that in August, I rededicated my life to Christ. Nicole and I are married, and we've recently started our own life group for blended families. I want to thank you. Who would have thought that your gift would have changed my life? My wife thanks you. My family thanks you. Southcrest thanks you. Justin. This is my wife, Valerie, and this is our story. So about two and a half years ago, we came to Southcrest after we had been members at another church for a very long time. I, I basically, for whatever reason, knew it was just time for us to move on uh, to a different church. Justin, however, did not feel the same. So I prayed to God for a Gideon moment. I needed to know that it was crystal clear that I was gonna, you know, make that move, and we were gonna make that move together as a family. Um, and boy, did I get that Gideon moment. One night, Justin walked in and told me that he had had a severe drug addiction to prescription drugs, and that we were about to lose our home to foreclosure. And I basically got the rug pulled right out from under my feet. Basically, through all that betrayal and distress, I wasn't even sure if I was willing to work out marriage and to fight for it. But thank God, because the people like you who gave, our best friends invited us here to Southwest. And that series that was going on right there, it was amazing. It was amazing for us, as our marriage and our family, and it really rescued us. Yeah. So we're just here to say thank you, guys. Um, you may not know it, you know, every time you give to the ministries of Southcrest, sometimes you may think, well, maybe it's just going to pay a bill or maybe it's paying for the lights or the water. But the investment that you guys make on a consistent basis has really made a huge difference in our lives because it's furthered the ministries of Southcrest. It's made an investment into us, into our marriage. And because of your generosity, we're here today. And in a few days, we'll be celebrating our 10-year anniversary. So guys, thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for what you've given. Wow, John, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so, probably didn't think that's why you were coming in. No. no. And, um, you know, sometimes we all think this way. I've thought this way before. God, how could you take what I feel like is so little and do so much with it? And that's just how the Lord works. God takes our faithfulness and he multiplies it so that many, many lives are changed. And so uh, how did that make you feel when you heard those stories? I honestly was sitting here thinking, first of all, is this real? And then second of all, this, this is what heaven must be like. It probably is. It's probably a lot like this. 
people coming in and you seeing on the other side how you made a difference. It's amazing. It's awesome. Well, listen, you are just like hundreds of other families in our church, and I want to thank you for your generosity, and I want to thank you for being willing to just tell your story and share your story with us tonight. And most of all, thank you for letting God use you like he uses many other families every single week through the ministry of our church. truth is there are many of you just like the Teagues you have a group of people like that that the reason that they're here today or the reason that they're in LaGrange or the reason that they're here on Wednesday night or the reason that their kids come here is because of your faithfulness every one of you I mean that's your story if you gave willingly and according to your capacity that's your story you share that story we could have picked 150 different families in our church who could have shot that video. But I wanted you to see the impact when we connect our willingness to give plus our capacity to give plus the action of it and how it becomes a win. How it becomes a win. So I want to say this to you today. I want to thank you. If you've given to our church this year, thank you. Thank you. Of all years, thank you this year specifically. You have made all the difference because of your generosity. And I want to say if you're here today and you're like, oh man, I haven't given this year. Or I don't give, or I stopped giving, or I quit that, or whatever. Listen, we're not here to condemn you. I want you to move out of the guilt factor. You need to move in the grace factor. Our church, listen, if if our church found out that somebody wasn't being extended grace, our church would raise up and go take that person out. But you know what Paul says? He says we need to get gracious in our giving because we are responding to God's grace to us. So I want to say to you, if you're not giving, if you're not tithing, what's your plan to start? Where do you need to start? Do you need to sign up for online giving? Do you need to, to, you know, uh, there's a lot of different ways, but where are you going to start? Because to leave here and not add the action piece to the willingness and the capacity doesn't equal a win. So I want to say, what's your plan? What's your plan? Remember that yearbook? (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Remember this yearbook? I made a statement to you as I began today. I said, my goal today at the end of this talk is that I want to help you find out where your name is is in this yearbook. Where is your name located? How many times is it located? See, here's what I know today. Like, if, if you attended one of our worship services, your name is right here. It's in our worship service number. And so that's awesome. We're glad you're here. If, if, if you are in a life group or your child's in a life group or your student's in a life group, you're, you're right here. You're one of these numbers right here. Like, your name is found right here. And that's pretty awesome that you're living connected You know, if you're a student, if you have a a parent of a teenager or you're a high school student here, you're part of that, man, because your heart for our student ministry is changing our whole church. And and so then there's the volunteers. Like, if you volunteer in any capacity, your name is right here. And you go, okay, Sean, I get it, I get it. So so you say, okay, well, I came to Easter and I brought a friend. Well, your, your name's right here and your friend's name's right here. 
And you say, well, well, I, I gave because I, I wanted backpack buddies to succeed, and, and so your, name, your name's right here. Or I went on a mission trip this year to Costa Rica or Jamaica or England. Listen, your name's, your name's right here. You say, well, okay, Sean, what are you trying to say? Here's what I want to say to you today. If you gave willingly and according to the capacity that God's given to you, listen, your name is on every single number. Let me connect that dot for you today. It's not just, okay, I'm a part of the attenders or I'm a part of the people who serve or, you know, I gave to this one special time. But here's what we do. When we give willingly and according to our capacity and we put action to it, our name is found in every single story. Remember what Paul said? It's not what I want from you. It's what I want for you. Because he looked at the Corinth church and he saw their capacity. And here's what he said. Hey, I know you want this. I know you want to reach South Atlanta one relationship at a time. I know you want this. And then he said this. So let's finish it. Let's finish it. I don't know how long you're going to live. I don't know how long I'm going to live. But I want you to understand something. I'm about finishing it. Why? Why am I about finishing? Here's why. Because we have been given an unmatched opportunity, like nothing else, nowhere else, to impact our culture, all of South Atlanta, and change a generation. So some of you here today, and you're like, well, I just feel guilty. I haven't given. Listen, I want to say this to you today. If you never give another dime to our church, you can still come. If you never give another dime, if you never give another dollar, listen, we still want you here. We want your family here. We will love your family. We will minister to your kids. We'll teach them about Jesus. We'll take them to beach camp. Listen, we, even if you don't give, you say, well, I don't like that. No, no, no. Isn't that what Jesus did? Here's the thought. Even if you choose not to be generous, we want this to be your church. But I want to make a statement to you today as your pastor, and I want you to hear it straight from my heart. For me and my family, we're going to give more. Why? Because we believe that God's grace is so stinking amazing that we're going to give according to our willingness and our capacity, and we're going to put feet to it. And God says, when you do that, you excel. Listen, here's why I'm going to give. I believe in the mission and the vision of this church. I would rather do without a few things. Listen, I would rather say I'm going to drive this car instead of this car. Why? Because I believe in that. I'm giving my life to that. I give my life to a lot. Some, you know, I thought about this this week. At some point, we got to ask the question, do we want to have the world or do we want to change the world? And there's a difference, amen? Can we celebrate that? There is a difference between having the world and changing the world. And here's the thing. Listen, Southcrest, you got to get this. This ain't about guilt tripping anyone. There is no guilt trip today. So if you feel guilty, you need to tell the devil to shut up. This is what this is about today. Let's become the church that matches the opportunity and impacts the culture and changes our generation. Would you bow your heads with me today?
Some of you came here today and you're like, wow, like I've never heard anyone talk that passionately about giving. Well, let me say this. If all you heard was the word give, then you missed the other G that's way more important than the word give. It's the word grace. Paul said, I want you to get involved in the grace of God and out of that response, then you give. Here's what I want for you today. Not what I want from you. Here's what I want for you today. If you came here today and you have never met the one who gives such amazing grace to your life, his name is Jesus Christ. And he came and he died for you on the cross so that you could have a real relationship with God. Not like a pseudo relationship, not like a plastic or a pretend, but a real relationship with God. And so if you're here today and you've never made that decision, to trust Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to give you that opportunity right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you say, Sean, I'm here today and I can't say that there's been a time, a place, or a moment in my life that I have fully trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord. I want to give you that opportunity right now. I just want you to draw a circle around yourself. Forget about the person you came with, the people in front of you, behind you. This is between you and God. But if you're here today, and you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, would you pray this prayer with me? Just say, dear God, thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you for your grace that you loved me even when I didn't deserve it and that you gave to me out of that love. Today, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you as Savior and Lord. And right now, Jesus... I want you to come into my life and change me from the inside out and give me new life in Christ. Jesus, today, I'm trusting you and I'm following you. And today, Jesus, I'm asking you, save me. Every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium today. If today, for the very first time, you gave your life to Christ, would you just hold your hand up? Just say, Sean, I'm just signifying. I'm going to throw my hand in the air like I don't care. And the reason why is is because today I prayed with you and I meant it and I know it. And today I invited Christ. I prayed with you, Sean. I asked Jesus into my life. Would you just throw your hand in the air? Just throw it up. Anybody? Some of us here today, here's where we are in this. We know. We know the grace of God. We have tasted it. We've touched it. We've experienced it. And we need to respond to him in our willingness and our capacity to give. And so today as our men come forward and as we prepare to give of our tithes and our offerings today, I want us to respond in worship and I want us to respond in generosity. And as we do so, we're going to sing this song and then I'm going to come back and close this and we'll be done today. Father, as your people, as these people, stand and respond to you today. God, here's what we want for them. We want them to be set free to experience the grace of God in their giving. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, it's amazing to see what you've done in our church through life vision, through our budget, through all these different things. God, it has been amazing. But God, I have to believe that the opportunity ahead of us is unmatched. It's like no other nowhere else. Lord, would you help us to respond in faith to you in the name of Jesus.